When I was in Rome, great being in Rome for a number of reasons, one of which, of course, is the history, things that you get to see, things that you hear about, some of it true, some of it not probably true, but still pretty interesting. So, for instance, in terms of the thing that's probably not true, there's a uh, large, what I think was a sewer cover at one time, that's shaped like, carved like the face of a man. And there's a hole where its mouth is, and all the tourists stick their hand in the mouth and get their picture taken. And apparently, the legend is that if you're untruthful, it'll clamp down on your hand. So there's a lot of people willing to, uh, to take that risk. The reason that's the legend is because supposedly this went on and was a tried and true method of determining whether somebody was true. And it happens that there was an aristocrat who, when he was out of town, his wife would entertain other prospects, so to speak. So the aristocrat comes home, one of the servants says something, and so he drags her into the town square to bring her to the, the mouth of truth, the Boca della Verita, they call it, to have her put her hand in there and say if she has in any way been untrue, unfaithful to him. So as he's dragging her through the street to bring her to the, the mouth of truth, a crazy man runs up and kisses her. They get her to the, uh, to the mouth of truth. She sticks her hand in there and she says, I solemnly swear that I've never been kissed by another man than my husband, than that crazy man. And it didn't close on her. The legend then is the, the, the mouth of truth the Boca della Verita refuses to ever close again because it was so poorly used. Rome has a lot of interesting legends like that that you can go visit. Another one, which isn't quite so much of a fable or a myth, happens to be that there's a church where the relics of the true cross are kept along with some other things that Constantine's mother, Helen, brought back when she visited Jerusalem. When Helen, in 325, goes to Jerusalem, makes a pilgrimage, she looks around Jerusalem, thinks she has found the relic of the true cross, and transports that, along with some other things, back to Rome, to her house. Because when you're the emperor's mom, you can do that, right? So she brings the stuff back to her house along with some dirt. She had them haul dirt from Jerusalem and spread it on the floor of that room so that she brought Jerusalem back with her. On a more maybe not so true level, but this is the story, at the time of the Crusades, there was a Capuchin the Franciscans, there was a Capuchin order that promised the, their members, if you join us, we will make sure that you are buried in the Holy Land. You will be able to be buried in the ground of the Holy Land. Well, of course, eventually the Crusaders get kicked out. So they transport dirt 
back to Rome, and they put it in one of their churches in the basement so that the friars, when they died, they could honor the promise. And they buried them then in dirt that they had brought back from the Holy Land. All that effort for some dirt, right? In our reading today from the second book of Kings, we find Naaman who's been cured of leprosy. And when he goes, he says, if you will not accept, he was offering all this stuff to Elisha in gratitude. And he says, but if you do not accept, please let me, your servant, have two mule loads of earth. For I will no longer offer a holocaust or sacrifice to any other god except the Lord. Two mule loads of earth. He wanted to take some dirt with him. Now the reason is because at that time they did not think it was possible to worship a god, any god, outside of their homeland. So if you wanted to be connected to the god, whatever god it was, you had to have some way of being physically connected to the homeland of that god. So he's hauling back the dirt so he can stand on it and pray so that he can offer sacrifice and holocaust on the ground. His gratitude, his gratitude for what has happened leads him to say, now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. So he has the vision, but his reality, his way of entering into that relationship is still confined. Right? So he needs to haul the dirt back. We ourselves enter into that same dynamic. We have the vision. We have the understanding that what we have and what we've received, we should be grateful for. But we still often have to find the right ground to stand on. It's very easy for us to become, in a certain sense, uprooted from what we're grateful for. Gratitude does not come naturally to us in many instances, especially for those things that we think just come to us one way or the other, by God's goodness, by our merit. And so our gratefulness at times is not grounded. We have the vision, we should always be thankful for what we have. Whatever comes my way, I'm going to thank the Lord. Whatever happens to me this coming week, I'm going to be positive and I'm going to turn to the Lord. We know that. Very difficult for us to do. Why is that? Why is it hard? Why is it that we see, as in our gospel, that ten are healed but only one returns giving praise to God? Why is it that in our own hearts we have a difficult time rejoicing in the gift of salvation that is given to us in Christ? All the other things that happen, all the other turmoil, tensions, hardships, struggles, victories, defeats. St. Paul says rejoice always. And yet we have a difficult time really being grateful. Why is that? 
I'm not going to really say that I know exactly. If I knew, I wouldn't be the way I am, struggling like everyone else to keep the focus, to stay grateful. But as I thought about this and I thought about these readings, I thought, I have to look at the dirt that I stand on. I think that's where it starts. What do I stand on day in and day out? Is it really standing on my awareness that I'm a leper who needs to be healed? Do I stand in the awareness that I'm someone who day in and day out God actually speaks the word of mercy, of healing to? Or is it on Sunday? Is it only in the confessional? Am I able to enter into the relationships that I'm engaged in every day, standing on the ground of being grateful, of just realizing that this person in front of me is part of God's mystery, God's plan as well? And somehow I've been given the honor of knowing this person. And all the people of the world, this is the person whom I'm in relationship with for good or ill, better or worse. What ground do I stand on day in and day out to ask myself if I'm grateful? The gospel today challenges us to this for a specific reason. The gospel challenges us to this because what Jesus says to the Samaritan at the end is what he wants to say to us he says, where are the other nine? Has none but this foreigner returned to give thanks to God? Then he said to him, stand up and go. Your faith has saved you. His healing is physical, but his salvation is eternal. Our ability to stand on the ground of our faith, the relationship we have with Christ day in and day out, it might not heal us of all the infirmities of this life. It might not give all the things that we ask and hope for in this life. But it does save. That kind of faith, standing on the ground that the Lord has given us in our own lives. Not different ground. Not somebody else's life. Not a better life that I would have if everything went my way. But the ground I stand on now today. That's where salvation's offered now, today. 